Well, good morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 54 this morning, as we are, are going to be talking again about this, uh, this series, Table Talks, where uh, if you go through the Gospel of Luke, it's fascinating to find how many times uh, Jesus spends in a meal with somebody and the lessons that we can learn uh, from those meals. And so what we're going to be talking about today with this idea of holy hypocrisy that happened during this day and age. Um, and this is the place in uh, Luke's account, Luke's gospel account, where he pronounces woes upon these religious elite uh, because of uh, this very thing, their holy hypocrisy. The idea of hypocrisy is, is claiming to be one thing, but doing a completely different thing, right? Certainly, uh, we see this a lot of times today, whether it be in the religious scene, but also we see it in other uh, areas of our life. And so we're going to be talking about this idea uh, this morning uh, pertaining to this particular text. Follow along with me. This is the outline. Really, if you go through this Bible text, you can break it up this way. Uh, Jesus starts out with the whole lesson that he's going to be talking about. And then he's going to illustrate it with six different woes he pronounces on the Pharisees and the lawyers. In other words, the Jewish elite. And then we'll find at the very end retaliation. And that's where we'll gain a lesson for this morning. So follow along with me in this lesson section in verses 37 through 41. And let's uh, see what we can find from this text. Notice, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went and reclined at the table, right? Another meal. And we see who's involved with this meal so far is a Pharisee and uh, Jesus. Later on, we'll see that there were also some lawyers or scribes there as well. Notice on as you go throughout the text, the Pharisee was astonished to see he did not first wash before dinner. Now, Mark's account will help kind of clear things up of what was being talked about here. In Mark chapter 7, verse 2, notice um, we see this idea of washing again. Uh, the Pharisees had made another mention and said they had seen some of his disciples were eating their bread with impure hands. That means that they were unwashed, right? And so that was this big issue that they wanted to talk about was, Jesus, you came in to eat with us and you didn't wash your hands, right? We put a big deal on that today uh, with as many doorknobs and things that we touch today. Uh, everybody can always remember moms telling you to go wash up before supper, right? To come in, if you've got to go eat, you need to go wash your hands. Now, there's nothing wrong with telling people to go wash their hands. The problem was the Jewish elite had put this as a commandment from God, right? They had made this a religious command that they had to go and wash their hands before they were to eat with somebody. Now, there was nowhere in the Old Testament scriptures that claimed this to be a command from God. And so uh, that was where this became an issue. And notice what uh, Jesus says to them in verse 39. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. And that's where we're going to learn a lot about what's going on today. You'll also notice that he uh, uses these words outside and inside, and it's going to help us understand what he's talking about in this major lesson, right? So these Pharisees were placing such a high emphasis on making sure that his hands were clean, and Jesus just lets them know, why is it so important for you to make sure those are clean when 
you're full of greed and wickedness, right? And notice what he says to them in verse 40, you fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? See, he's talking about God here. Did God not make the outside of your body? You're doing a great job of that. You're keeping that clean. But how about the inside of that cup? How about the inside of you? Are you keeping that clean as well? And he simply told him, no, you're full of greed and wickedness, right? And that's where we get hypocrisy. While they're going around claiming to be, oh, we're so clean on the outside. Look how we're dressed. Look how we wash our hands. Look how we do all of these different things, these purity rituals. Uh, He's going to talk about in verse 42 how we tithe all these uh, particular herbs and do all these things. Look at us. But yet the inside of the cup was full of filth, right? They were full of filthiness on the inside. And so he calls them these ignorant people, these foolish people, because, hey, God made the whole cup. He didn't just make the outside for you to keep clean. He made the inside as well. And notice verse 41. Or here's the idea of ignorant. Uh, Jesus calls the ritualistic Pharisees fools because they thought that by doing something external, they could automatically gain favor with God. Has that ever happened to us today? how we think we can do external things while still being filthy on the inside, but yet still gain favor with God. You see, Jesus would then call us ignorant people. And again, he says he made the whole cup, right? Now, the last thing you'll see is his, but give us alms those things that are within, those things that are inside, right? And behold, everything is clean for you. You see, this idea of giving and offering, these Pharisees and these scribes would certainly never give their greed and their wickedness as an offering to God. But they would do. They would give good things. And so that's why Jesus is saying, hey, make the inside of you good enough to offer as a sacrifice to God. Right? I I know you're clean on the outside and you're offering things on the outside, but clean up the inside so you can offer that as well. And that's what he's trying to let them know here. And now he's going to get very specific with issues that they had, right? Six particular issues, six particular woes that he pronounces on them. These first three uh, are are pertaining to specifically the Pharisees and the the struggles they had. Um, And then we'll see some other ones that are related to the lawyers, uh, three other ones that are related to the lawyers. Notice the first one, he contrasts what he says in verse 41 with what he says in verse 42 with this first woe. He says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. In other words, he's calling them righteous cherry pickers, right? You're picking certain things of God to do while neglecting to do the other things, right? And those other things were pretty huge, And now what's interesting about this particular set of herbs that he talks about is that a lot of these weren't even necessarily needed to be tithed, but yet they were going and saying, look at all we're doing. Look at all we're tithing. Look at us. We're providing all of these different herbs. Yet they were completely filled with wickedness. They were filled with all of these different things, and that's why he's letting them know you have neglected to do the others. You've neglected to do justice. You've neglected to have the love of God. 
You see, what would be so important to us, right? Do we ever find ourselves cherry-picking righteous acts? Do we ever find ourselves saying, I'll go do that, but that over there, I don't think I want to do, right? I'll make sure to do service for my friends, but as far as uh, serving and worship or being a part of uh, anything that has to do with the church, I'm not really with that, right? You see, some of us, we can get into that issue of, of righteousness cherry-picking, where we want to look at the good deeds of God and say, I want to do these, but I don't want to do those others. The Pharisees had no problem tithing these herbs, but they struggled with the love of God. That seems wild to me, right? But that's what they were doing. That's how Jesus was illustrating this point of making sure to clean the whole cup. Not just the outside, but also clean the inside. He also calls them chief seat sinners in verse 43. Notice he, with this next woe, he says, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. They loved to be seen. They loved to be the popular ones wherever they went, right? And what's so fascinating is they were the ones that probably shouldn't be the example, right? They're the ones that were filled with greed and wickedness, yet they always wanted to be, make sure that they were honored wherever they went. They wanted to have that special seat. Um, they wanted to have all these different things. Luke talks about this idea a lot in his gospel account about self-exalting yourself, right? And, and what we find in uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 46 through 48, it's the ultimate lesson of the least of you will become the greatest. In Luke 14, we'll see that those who exalt themselves will have themselves humbled, Right, Those who want to find these, uh, these particular important seats and go sit there, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be humbled. And what's so fascinating is that Jesus, God on earth, was with them, these Jewish leaders, yet they still wanted to be in the chief seats. And that's what's so interesting about this. And this is kind of one of those humbling moments for these people who wanted to sit at these chief seats is that God... Uh, Jesus on earth was letting them know, like, here's how you're wrong. And so that was another way he illustrated the third one we find in verse 44. Notice he says, woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. Um, now, this is an interesting uh, text because uh, it was hard for me. I was researching this because in Matthew's account in chapter 23, that's where we find uh, Matthew's account of these woes to these scribes and Pharisees. And what he'll mention, if you use this as kind of a uh, synoptic uh, look at things and you uh, compare accounts, uh, Matthew will talk about whitewashed tombs, right? You're these big, fancy whitewashed tombs, but you're filled with dead man's bones. And, but Luke's account here talks about these unmarked graves, well, what are these unmarked graves? And so I looked into this, and it really helps if you were to go to Numbers chapter 16 or chapter 19, uh, verse 16, and it talks about what, uh, how you should be or what happens when you come near a grave. It says, also, anyone who in the open field touches one has been slain with a sword or who has uh, died naturally or ha a human bone or a grave shall be unclean for seven days. These Pharisees were unclean landmines, right? These unmarked graves. You didn't know you were walking near a grave. And in the Jewish law, if you walked near a grave and never knew it, 
right? If you walked and accidentally stepped near a grave, you became unclean. And that's what Jesus is letting them know these Pharisees are like. You are causing people who come around you to become unclean. Could you imagine if Jesus told, uh, told you that today? You cause other people to be unclean. That would be scary, right? And because I claim to be a Christian, I claim to be a good person, and all of a sudden Jesus is looking at me and going, no, you're filled with filthiness on the inside. You're filled with wickedness. You're filled with greed, and people that come around you are actually becoming unclean because of you. And that's what he was letting these Pharisees know. They were unclean landmines. They were people that uh, they're like unmarked grave, and that when people walk over them, they do without knowing it. They were causing people around them to be unclean. And so he then goes on to say in this transition verse, notice one of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us too. Well, way to make yourself a part of this, Mr. Lawyer, right? Because you're talking negatively about these Pharisees, you're including us as well. And he goes, oh, just wait, right? Here's what I have to say towards you. You're unpractical preachers, right? Look at verse 46. Notice he says, uh, okay, woe to you, lawyers, also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your uh, fingers. These lawyers were known to be the ones that taught people, that were helping people understand the law. But in so doing, they became preachers who were preaching a lesson that, first off, they didn't practice. And second off, they made it so hard that the people couldn't hold up to it, right? Does that ever happen today? Do people in my position, right, in a preaching, teaching role, do they ever put too big a burdens on people? Certainly, and that's a role that we play is, is we have to make sure we become practical preachers. Uh, we let you know here is God's standard, but here, more importantly, is how you can live up to that. But these lawyers were pretty much preaching a lesson that here's God's standard. Good luck. None of y'all are ever going to figure out this. You're never going to be able to hold up to it. You're never going to be matching God's standard. And they were preaching this impossible lesson for people to live up to. And so that's why Jesus is letting them know, woe to you, because uh, you're casting these burdens on people when you shouldn't be. He then goes on to say again um, in verse 47 and 48, he says, Woe to you, for you build tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and so you consent to the deeds of your father, for they killed him, and you build their tombs. They were more about honoring the man than they actually were the message, right? They didn't really care to follow all of those messages of repentance that all these prophets would preach about. They didn't care about following all of these messages that Moses would write about in the law and all these different writers of the Old Testament. They didn't care about following those, right, because they came up with their own ideas through the Mishnah and through other writings that these rabbis and these Pharisees and these lawyers would have. They liked to follow those. They didn't actually like to follow God's message written back in the Old Testament. But yet they would build tombs for these prophets. They would honor these prophets with important uh, burial sites, yet they wouldn't honor their message. And he's calling them hypocrites for that. You honor these people whom your fathers killed, right, with these tombs, yet you don't actually follow their message. See, it's important for us uh, to honor God's message, not man's interpretation of it. You see, that happens to us sometimes when we, we honor men 
who preach about God's lessons, right? Yet it's not actually God's lesson they're preaching about. They're coming up with their own ideas, and they're telling us what to follow. And so we'll honor men like that instead of actually looking at God's message today. And then his last, um, last woe to them is in verse 52. Notice he says, Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were enter- entering. Well, what does he mean by this? He calls them law killers, not law keepers, right? They were the ones that studied for a living. They got to live and study and try to understand God's word. The problem was they never taught anybody else how to learn God's word. Right? That's the whole idea of key to knowledge. He says, you had this key to knowledge, right? You guys were so smart. You understood the law, yet you were taking it to the people and pretty much letting them know you're never going to understand this and we're not going to teach you how. There was a religious group from about the 300 A.D. era till still today where that was a premise that they kept people at. You had to be ordained by God. You had to be special, right, to be able to understand God's word. Well, these lawyers were the same way. They didn't teach people how to understand God's word. They kept that key to themselves. And what's fascinating and what Jesus lets them know, you guys didn't even follow God's word. Y'all didn't even understand God's word because if you did, you'd be doing things a lot differently. You'd understand that I'm actually the son of God. You would understand all of these other things, right? And so they had taken away the key to knowledge. Now, here's the final. After Jesus calls them out, right? That would be a pretty rough session to be around uh, if Jesus was talking to me and saying, woe to you, Matt, for all of these different things. But here's their response. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Ultimately, how did they respond to Jesus calling him out as hypocrites? We're going to catch that guy somehow. We need to get rid of him. We don't need him to be around us anymore. Was their response repentance? Was their response to change? No, their response was to kill him, to get rid of him. Now, that was where a lot of today's lessons come from, is this response. Because what's our response to Jesus' correction? I'm telling you, if you study the Bible every day, and this may deter us from studying the Bible every day, but I encourage you to, there's going to be an area of, of your life that you find, I need to correct this. How do we respond to that? Well, when we read through Scripture and we, we understand, we're, we're interpreting Scripture, we're finding out what God wants us to do in our life, how do we respond to that? One of the greatest places to go in Scripture to, to help us understand is James 1, 22-25, right? To be doer of the Word, not just merely a hearer. Because they had a problem of this in this day and age. It wasn't just the scribes and Pharisees, it was also Christians, a part of the early church, Right? Notice, he said, but be doers of the words and not just hearers, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You see, what James is saying here, 
is here is God's word. A hearer hears God's word, looks into God's word, study God's word, and says, I don't need to change. But a doer looks into it and says, oh, there's some things I need to fix. I need to go and correct those things. You see, Jesus was teaching these scribes and Pharisees, here's some things you need to change. He was just doing it by saying, woe to you, you do these things wrong. And their response was, okay, we'll just kill him, right? You see, Jesus tells us every day, probably, here's something you probably should work on, right? Here's something that you probably need to fix in your life. Here, here's something that would help you further your faith, help you with your relationship with me and with God. How do we respond to that? You see, doers do, but hearers only become hypocrites. If all we're going to do is come and hear, if all we're going to do is study the word and not actually try to change ourselves, we can go around claiming to be Christians, but ultimately, what are people going to say about us? That person's just a hypocrite. They just want to be like the world, yet they want to go and call themselves Christians. See, these Jewish leaders were that same way. They studied God's word. The Pharisees, uh, it's an old traditional thing where Pharisees had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. Wow, that would be unreal, right? It's hard enough to memorize three verses, let alone five books. Yet even though they memorized all those scriptures, they were hypocrites because they knew God's word and they didn't do it. You see, we can be those same people. And that is always a caution of ours is don't become these hypocrites. These people who are going to go out into the world and proclaim I'm a Christian, yet all of a sudden people are going to be like, wait, you're not even doing what Christ wants you to do. You see, not only will that look bad on Christ, it'll look bad on his church. And it'll look bad on you as well. So be a doer. If you find something in Scripture, maybe through a lesson you hear, through a teaching you find, through application that you make through a passage, and maybe that doesn't, maybe that is something in your life that you need to change. Change it, right? Look into that mirror of Scripture and say, I need to fix this. Here is a blemish of mine that I need to fix. Because doers do, and hearers only become hypocrites. A, a fascinating lesson that Jesus teaches again from another table, from another time when he's at a meal. Uh, maybe a tougher one. And I also find it fascinating how Jesus wasn't afraid to stand up to these Jewish elite, to let them know, here's what's wrong. You guys are clean on the outside, but you're unclean on the inside. Sometimes we need to help our friends that are like that. Sure, you look great on the outside, but can, can we talk about some things I notice in your life? Now, be careful, because you need to make sure that you are not in a hypocrite situation in your own life, right? But encourage our brothers and sisters, because that is one of the best ways that you can reach people, is through the life that you live. Maybe you're here this morning, and you find yourself where you haven't been living truly as a Christian. You have found yourself maybe becoming one of these hypocrites, claiming to be one thing, but living another way. And you'd like to ask for encouragement and prayers this morning to help you get on that right path, to be one of those doers. We can encourage you this morning through a prayer. Uh, or maybe you're here this morning and you're ready to become a child of God. You're ready to have your sins washed away in baptism. We would love and encourage that this morning to be this morning as well. We just ask that if you have a need, please come while we stand and sing the song of encouragement.